Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to uh, an opportunity to invest in your world so that you can have life at its best. You know, that's one of those phrases. I know some people hear me say that and every now and then I'll get an email from somebody that say, oh yeah, you're just one of those easy believism. Well, you know what? There, there's nothing easy about believing uh, God's promises when everything around you is, is saying something else. But I'm telling you something. Jesus died so you could have what the King James calls the abundant life. Uh, our one translation says life to its fullest. In the Greek, it says, it says that he came so that you could have the quality of life given by the one who possesses it. In other words, Jesus came so he could give you the exact same quality of life that he has. You know, that's, that's an incredible promise and either we believe it or we don't. And the honest truth is, if you're not willing to believe that, I, I, I can't help you. Or if you don't have any intention to get to the place to where you, you have at least the hope of having that quality of life, then, then, then I can't help you. But I tell you, I tell you what I can do. If you're, even if you're, no matter where you are in this process, if you're just willing to say, you know something, it's in the Bible, God said it, and you acknowledge to the Father, you know, I don't believe this yet, but I want to believe it. And, I, and I'm, I'm going to stop making excuses. I'm going to stop justifying myself. I'm going to stop fighting against what's in the Word of God. And I'm just going to say, okay, this is true. God, I trust you to bring me to the place to where it's real in my life. You know, I, I can't even tell you how many things in my life uh, that are working effectively today that it just, the starting place was, God, I don't even really believe this, and, but I want to. I want to get to where I believe this. I, I want to get to where I see this uh, uh, as a reality in my own life. I want to get to where I just can see it as a biblical truth. And I'll tell you, anything that you're, any place that you're willing to surrender your own opinion, your own uh, 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 perspective, your own point of view, anytime you are willing to surrender that, uh, then God can take you on a journey of renewing your mind, a journey of transformation to where you get to experience his view and opinion. And you know what? His view and opinion is the absolute reality. You know, we're talking about something here that I'm, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, I think on, on a subconscious level for some people and on a conscious level for a lot of other people, I think there's, I think there's very few Christians that are not struggling with this. You know, we're calling this series uh, a generational curses. Is God really fair? Now we are living in a day and age where, where what is fair is, is, is something that people are battling over. They're battling with the government. They're battling with racial issues. They're battling with economic issues. And, and one of the questions they're always asking, is this fair? Is this fair? Or is this fair? Or is this fair? Now, the problem is, of course, everybody's got their own def definition of what fair is. And I don't want to go into all of that right now. But I want to say this. I discovered as a new believer that 
it would be impossible to trust the God that religion presented. Now keep in mind, religion and, and, uh, and being a disciple and a believer, those are not the two, uh, two, those both are not the same things. As a matter of fact, you know, being a Christian and a believer is not necessarily the same thing because, you know, most people consider themselves a Christian if they're a good person, believe, have a general belief in God or in Jesus, and maybe even go to church every now and then. And so they identify as being Christians, but that's, that's usually a cultural concept. It's not, a, it's not really a hard concept. It's not really about what you believe. It's not really about your, your personal intimate trust for God. It's a cultural thing and that you maybe you believe in a lot of the Christian values. You believe in morality. You believe in ethics. You believe in honesty. And you believe in God. So, okay, I'm a Christian. Well, the word Christian was never used by God to describe what we are or who we are. Now, I've had people write me and say, well, now, Jim, that's not true because in the book of Acts it says they were called Christians. Yeah, but God didn't call them Christians. That's what the world called them. Uh, God calls us sons. He calls us heirs. He calls us priests. He calls us kings. He calls us believers. He calls us disciples. He calls us overcomers. There's a lot of very functional names that God calls us, but there is, he never, ever once called us a Christian. That is a, that is a cultural phenomenon that has nothing to do with what you believe in your heart. It just has to do with what group that you, that you identify with. Now, as a, as a new believer, you know, I was so fortunate. I had no church background. I, I was around some Christians. I had relatives that were Christians. They were all mean and crazy. Any, any, anybody in my family that, that, even if they lived like scum, you know, uh, all, uh, all year long, the moment they got to the place where they started talking about God or Christianity, suddenly they became pious legalists that uh, uh, did nothing but argue, had nothing to do with how they treated people or how they lived. So, so, you know, I didn't have, I wanted to know God, but I didn't want to know what they knew. I didn't want to live like they lived. I didn't want to think like they lived. I didn't want to treat people like they treated people. I didn't want to fight with other people about, about what I thought everybody else was supposed to believe. I just wanted to know God, and I just wanted to have a new life. Uh, so, so, you know, when I came to Jesus, it was a surrender of my entire life. In other words, I, I wasn't trying to get cleaned up. I wasn't trying to get fixed up. I wasn't trying to get counseled up. I wasn't trying to just make my life a little bit better. I wasn't just trying to escape hell. I was trying to escape me. I knew I was the problem. I wanted a new life. So, uh, as many of you have heard me say, you know, my sinner's prayer, uh, as, as we would call it, was where... Uh, I told God, I said, look, I don't even understand this. You know, I know it's got something to do with Jesus dying for me. I don't really get it. Uh, I don't know what that means. But, here, but I just said, here's the deal. I will give you my life. And, and, and so I didn't know it. I was making a commitment to be a disciple. Because a disciple is a person who builds their life on the teaching, the model, the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we look at Jesus to figure out how to live. We look at Jesus to understand how life is supposed to work. We listen to his teachings. And, uh, and, and then we participate in what he obtained first of the death, burial, and resurrection. So I just said, here's the deal. I'll give you my life. And I won't hold anything back. 
But I said, but there's a couple of things I won't do. I will not play church. That was my first stipulation. Now, I'll go to church, but I won't play church. I, you know, I had no problem with going to church. And I said, and, and secondly, I will not believe anything I have ever heard about you until I see it in the Bible for myself. That was it. And, you know, I don't think I said this, but my understanding was if I see it in the Bible, I'm going to believe it. Period. Amen. The end. So, so this, was, this was my journey. So fortunately, when I came to the Lord, before I ever went to church for the first time, I had probably, I know I'd read all the New Testament once. I might have actually read all the New Testament more than once, maybe, maybe a couple of times, and might have even had already started reading through the Old Testament, which, which was pretty confusing for me. But, uh, but my point was, I started this journey looking for God to be my father, and my teacher, and my comforter, and my counselor, and the one that would show me how to walk this out. And I really wasn't looking to put any man, any preacher, any person uh, in between me and God as a, as a mediator, as covering, or any of that. I didn't know any of those words then, but I'm just saying there was nobody going to be between me and God other than Jesus and, and the Word of God. And this was going to be my, this was going to be my resource base for, for life. So, you know, finally, uh, uh, I, you know, we end up going to church. And uh, so in, soon, right after, not long after starting to go to church, probably just a, just a, a few months, we actually lost a son. And so immediately people started coming up to me. With, and I, you know, I can't remember the exact words they said, but it was sort of like, well, you know, now, Jim, you know, we don't understand why God does things like this. Now, there'd be some that might say why God allowed this to happen or, or whatever. But you, listen, if you say God allowed this to happen, then you're saying he could have stopped it and he didn't. That, that's really what you're saying. And really, really what you're saying is we don't understand why God was so unfair. We don't understand why God was so unkind. We don't understand why God was so unjust. But there's something you're going to learn out of this. There's something that, that he's going to teach you out of this. There's something he's trying to do in your life. And, you know, this was killing your kid was the only way that God could get to you to teach you whatever it is that he's trying to teach you. That's basically, that's basically what we're saying when we, you know, when we start this. Well, God's trying to teach you something. Or when we start this, we don't know why God allowed it, you know, or we don't know why God did it or all that kind of sense. Well, you know, people would make those statements to me, and I'm like, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what planet you're from. You know, Paul said this in the book of Romans. He said, listen, while, if while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, how much more now are we delivered from the wrath of God? Listen, I, you know, I, I was a new believer who was a horrible, horrible person before I got saved, who hurt other people, uh, who stole from other people, who committed immorality, you know, with other people's wives. You know, I did every immoral, almost every immoral, ungodly thing you could think of that a person could do. I was a horrible person, and God loved me, and how much more now that I've come to Jesus does God love me, and how much more am I delivered from his wrath? I was delivered from his wrath then, as far as his present life goes, because of what Jesus had done. I didn't know that. I didn't know that's why all of this didn't come, you know, uh, 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 
pouring down on me. I didn't, I didn't understand that. But, but that's the truth. If, you know, if God loved me when I was dealing drugs to kids, if God loved me, you know, when I was committing adultery with somebody's wife, if God loved me when I was stealing from, you know, from a friend, if he loved me and all of that, why would I think now that I've given my life to him, it gets worse? Well, I'll tell you why most people think that. It's because that's what preachers tell them. It's amazing. I mean, I've, I can remember preachers just basically uh, uh, either implicitly or expl explicitly uh, uh, saying, now when you come to God, it's going to get worse. <laughs> what? It's like, well, then what you need to do is you need to wait till just a minute or two before you, get, before you get ready to die, then give your life to Jesus because, man, if it's going to get worse than what it was when I was a sinner, it, you know, uh, drug overdoses, violence, you know, getting stabbed, getting run over, getting shot at, you know, getting knocked out with a baseball bat, all of those kinds of things. If it's going to get worse than this, I need, to, I need to just put the brakes on this so I can do this right before I die. And then I'll slide into heaven, like slide into home base, uh, right under the right under the uh, the uh, hind catcher, not being able to tag me as out. You know, right under his hands. Well, you know, I I, I had a great church. My my first church was a great church. It it, it really was. I mean, it what culturally it didn't fit for me, but in so many ways it was just such a great church. But I tell you the thing, because I was reading the Bible for myself, now I had a good pastor. I mean, I tell you, I had such a good pastor. And the youth pastor, even though it wasn't a part of the youth group, but the youth pastor was, and his wife, man, they were great. They helped me. And, and as many of you have heard me talk about, I had this deacon that basically took one look at me and, and, and realized this guy will never make it here if, if I don't help him. And so I had a mentor right off, right off the bat, somebody that wanted to keep me from getting sucked into religion. And that was his goal. He was a preacher's kid that had grown up backslidden and finally discovered a life with God for himself uh, outside of the religious parameters of his father and, and learned to walk with God for himself. And just, he just didn't want me or anybody else to make that journey of, of running away from God because of what religion taught you. So, I, you know, I had great, you know, honest truth is, everywhere I've ever been, I've had great situations. And uh, even if there was corruption, even if there were things that went wrong, for me personally, I still benefited from everywhere that, that I've ever been. But what I began to realize, even in the middle of all the positive things, I began to realize all of these endless contradictions of the Word of God. Um, and, you know, later I, I began to understand that many of these contradictions were just because of translation. Uh, but most of the contradictions had nothing to do with translation. Uh, they had to do with interpretation. How do I interpret this? And I started realizing that, that you know, the, the gap between what Jesus came and showed us was so uh, wide but between how people described God. And so I started seeing all of these things that, that the truth is, if I believed what religion told me, it would be impossible to believe that God is fair 
and just. You know, I got an email from a guy the other day. Listen, if you're watching it, the person wrote this email, I'm not going to call your name. But if you're watching, I want you to know I am not criticizing you by telling this story. I am telling this because you are where so many people are. And he's talking about being, you know, being without a job and, and doing all of these things that, you know, he feels like he's supposed to do. And, 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 and he concluded by expressing his anger and disbelief in God because God never caused any of the people where he turned in an application to hire him. There's nowhere in the Bible that tells you God's going to do that. People say, well, what about the favor of God? Well, you probably need to listen to my series on the favor of God because I'll tell you what people teach about the favor of God is a bunch of mystical, religious, superstitious nonsense. The favor of God is not something that God individually decides to give you. The favor of God is something that, that God gives you because you apply his truth. In other words, it's not like him deciding you've applied my truth, I'm going to give you favor. It's the fact that you accept his truth as the way to relate to people. And you get favor because you live godly. You get favor because you're honest. You get favor because you're a hard worker. You get favor because of these situations. And, and it's not, you know, God never said he's going to influence anybody to like you. Now, I understand there are unique situations in the Bible, and there will be unique situations in your life where God touches somebody's heart for you, but they still have to respond. And if you, if you don't have a good reputation, if you don't have a good track record, uh, the, that person is not going to respond when God does try to move on somebody's heart. But he can't make anybody. He, God doesn't make anybody do anything. God tries to lead people. God tries to instruct people. But, you know, when I, when I read this email, I didn't get mad at the guy, and I didn't think he was stupid. I just thought, this is how most, this is how most Christians really think. They won't always admit it, but this is how most Christians really think. Now, listen, let me just say this. And I say this every time I do, every time I do a program. You know, we put these programs out here for free. We want you to learn everything you can. I'm telling you, just from, just from this broadcast series, you are going to learn incredible things about the fairness of God. And, uh, but here's the incredible thing. I know there's always people that want to dive deeper. I know there's always people that are, are more disciple-oriented and that they really are looking for uh, uh, more application for their practical life, how to get this working. So I always produce, or nearly always produce, a series to go along with something like this for those people that want to take those steps. And so you might want to check out this series, uh, Generational Curses, Is God Really Fair? And I'm going to tell you something. By the time you get to the end of this, either this broadcast series, but especially if you go through all of those, all of those messages in this series, you are going to be fully, not only are you going to be fully persuaded that God is fair, but you are going to come to understand justice. And that's what fairness is, is justice. And the Bible tells us that there are some precursors to being able to understand and grasp justice. So uh, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to bring you into the justice of God. And when you see God as just, I got news for you. Uh, trusting him is going to be easy. You can't trust God if you, if you believe all of these contradictions are true. You can't trust God if you actually think that, that, he, that he is unjust and unpredictable. Listen, God is incredibly 
predictable. Not necessarily in the exact details of, of how he's going to lead you, but I can tell you this, I can tell you where God's always going to lead you. I can't tell you the pathway that you're going to have to take from where you are. So listen, be sure and check it out. Generational curses, is God really fair? So, you know, one of the great things that people like to say, they're always saying, well, God's trying to teach you something. So now stop and think about this. God wants to teach me something. So, so God arranges for my child to die. God's trying to teach you something. So he arranges for your mother or father to die. God's trying to teach you something, so he kills somebody in your family. So let me ask you this. Uh, see, we get all mystical with God, and, you know, we're created in the likeness and image of God, which means he functions and we function much the same. If we want to be whole and well, we function the way, the way that he does. But, but because it says we're emotional, we know he's emotional. Now, the difference is he's not ruled by his emotions. We tend to be because of the lust of our flesh. But just stop and think about this. And, and, and anything that works in real life is, has a spiritual mirror to it. In other words, if, if, it, if it works in this spiritual arena, it's going to work in real life and vice versa. So let me ask you this. Let's say that uh, uh, you maybe, maybe you owed somebody some money. And the person you owed money to was kind of like a, 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 a violent gangster loan shark. And uh, so you're struggling with paying that money back. So that loan shark sends out one of his hit men to kill one of your kids, kill your spouse, kill your mother or your father, kill somebody you love. So now here's the question I want to ask you this. Would you go to that loan shark to get comfort or, or grief counseling? Would you, would you go to that loan shark that arranged for the destruction of somebody you loved? Would you go to him for counseling to try to find a place of peace and a place for comfort? Well, I can tell you what, you won't. You will not go to the person that brings the pain into your life to actually find the solutions. Now, we say, we say God did this for a reason, and I'm going to go to God and, and, and get him to comfort me now. No, you're not. You are not. You're going to hold a grudge against God. You're going to be angry against God. Or you're going to pretend like that none of that's happening and, 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 and really despise God. You know, one of the things that God says, Psalm 82 talks about our responsibility here in planet Earth. And in and, and Psalm 82, man, this was the psalm that Jesus quoted that finally pushed the religious people off the cliff and made them decide that he, he was uh, a committing blasphemy and that they had every right to kill him because, you know, he said he was one with God. And they said, what, what, what do you mean one with God? You're making yourself one with God by calling yourself the son of God, or you're making yourself one with God because you say you do the works of the father. He, they said, that's blasphemy. And he says, well, how's it blasphemy when even your scriptures that you claim to believe calls you gods? And he's referring to Psalm 82. You might want to go through and read the whole psalm. But Psalm 82 verse, verse 2 says this. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Selah. In other words, think about that. So, so God is saying, as men, I am expecting you to never, never show partiality, never judge or never bring justice if you're a politician, if you're a judge, if you're a, you know, if you're a, a police officer, if you're, if you're a person who holds power, 
never, never use that power in an unjust way. And here's what he says to do. He says, defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and the needy. Deliver the poor and the needy and free them from the hand of the wicked. They do not know, nor do they understand, and God's now talking about those who, who are supposed to be ruling and reigning and representing him here on planet Earth. They walk about in darkness. Now listen to this. All the foundations of the earth are unstable or become unstable. Now stop and think about this. God says that when the powers that be here on planet Earth, when once they depart from being fair, the entire foundations of the earth become unstable. Well, look around. Look around. In the day that there are more politicians standing up claiming social justice, claiming uh, the ultimate fairness, claiming mercy, the, our nation and all the nations of the world have gotten worse and have gotten worse and gotten worse and gotten worse. Why? Because they are not showing the justice that God represents. They are not being just according to the, to the word of God. And, and we're, we're going to look at this. But I want you, here's the question that I would ask when I was a new believer. My question was this. God, you say you want me to be like you. You know, be holy because I'm holy. Well, but you tell me to love my enemies. And I hear my leaders say that, you're, you'll kill your enemies. You tell me to be slow to anger. And, and everybody tells me that you get really hot under the collar really, really quick. And so my question is this. If you're asking me to be just and fair, but you're not going to be just and fair, then there's a contradiction here because if you're not just and fair, then I can't be like you. You know, uh, Job 4.17, this was a conversation that Job and his friends were having. And man, I'm telling you, they were so confused about what was going on in Job's life. So one of them presented the question, can a mortal be more righteous than God? Can a man be more pure than his maker. Well, that's exactly what we are saying when we are saying that I'm called to be ethical, but God's not called to be ethical. I'm called for my word to always be true, but God's word's not always going to be true. He's sovereign. He can just change his mind. He can just do anything that he wants to. I am called to be merciful, and God's merciful sometimes, but man, sometimes when he gets mad and starts killing people, he, you know, that's, not, that's not so merciful. In other words, we really believe, even though we would never put it in these words, that we are expected to be more just, more fair, more loving, more righteous than God. Now, listen, I know this is an incredible challenge, but if you believe that God can randomly kill people, but you can't, then you believe you've got to be more righteous than God. If you believe that the way God communicates is through anger and pouting and, and punishing, 
but you're not supposed to, you know, punish people that you love. You're, you're supposed to talk to them. You're supposed to communicate. Oh, so you really do believe you're supposed to be more just and more righteous than God. Listen, folks, we're going to go on this journey. I, I hope you'll make this whole journey with me because I'm telling you, it's going to create the possibility for more transformation to take place in your life than anything you may have studied in a long time. So be sure to hang in here with me. Now, listen, you can help us get this message out to other people. Uh, uh, write us comments, you know, ask, ask questions. Don't be argumentative. By the way, you know, a lot of people ask questions in a way that they're not looking for an answer. You know, they, they, they state their opinion, state their disagreement with you and want you to respond to it. I'm not, in, I'm not interested in debating you. If you're asking questions, I'll, I'll try to help you see my point of view. you got to decide what the answer is going to be. But be sure and comment on this and like this, man. When you like this, other people see it. Be sure also to share this uh, with your friends because this is going to help your friends. And listen, I'll be back and talk to you next week. Can't wait to take you on the next step in this journey. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.